welcome to Respawn Volume 13, either issue 75 through 80. I am Colby. And I am Derek. Uh, and today we have a lot of really good spawn to talk about, some weird spawn, and a lot of horrible deaths. <laughs> this is this is definitely uh, one of the better volumes uh, that we've come across lately. Uh, my initial on my initial read, I was kind of um, a little what the fuck on it, but then I, I discovered what I think might be a hidden theme. Uh, I definitely don't think uh, McFarlane intended the the running theme that I've seen, and I think it's actually better for the fact that he just found it in the writing. We'll get into that here in a minute. Uh, before we dive too far in. I want to offer an apology for uh, missing a week. Uh, those of you who keep up with Respawn um, <laughs> religiously, uh, we were supposed to have an episode last week. It didn't happen. Um, my house uh, nearly flooded, and Colby had some family things to take care of. Uh, but we're okay now. Yeah. And to make it up to you, we are going to uh, do straight three weeks in a row, or four weeks in a row, because we'll have Respawn this week, two blah blahs in a row, and then Respawn Volume 14. We will not be taking a skip week for the month of February, so uh, that's, we'll, we'll try to make it up to you that way. Thank you for being patient. We love you. Oh, yes, yes. Thank, thank you guys a ton for sticking around. We got lots of cool stuff planned, but, you know, we're just going to dive into this bitch because 75 is by far the weirdest issue in this collection. It continues straight off of where uh, issue 74 ended from last volume. Mm-hmm. Where So some context. Spawn had literally basically been eaten by uh, the heap at this point and, yeah was presumed dead he uh spawn awakes in this paradise which is i mean literally the parliament of trees but they can't call it the parliament of trees in the green but they get they literally get as humanly close as possible to doing that uh it's, it's the parliament of trees the serial numbers filed off yeah uh, before we dive into the actual issue let's i i do want to we were kind of talking off mic about this a little bit um these covers, oh my god, volume, yeah, the Capullo covers are ridiculous. This volume, and I want to start with the uh, the beautifully sacrilegious uh, cover for issue seventy five, with Spawn on his knees, um, bleeding, scarred, wearing tatters, and literally wearing a crown of thorns. Yeah. I remember uh, when this came out, this cover actually caused some amount of controversy for its its Jesus parallels. Um, it is a beautiful cover. It is definitely eye-catching, but it did also – I just wanted to interject that it uh, – oh, and then possibly the light of heaven shining down upon Spawn. Yeah. It, uh, it, was, it, was a, uh, it was a topic of conversation in the pages of Wizard back in the day. I remember that. Yeah, no. It is like all these covers are amazing. This, is, this volume we should mention, Capullo is on and off of the interior art. A couple issues he's on. He's in this one, and he's in a couple more. Uh, but he's on all the covers, and it is some of the most iconic Spawn covers, and all of them are... I mean, at this point in time, from pretty much from issue 75 till, like, uh, I mean, honestly, onward, for a long, long, long time, the covers are incredible and it's capullo pumping out some of the most iconic and incredible pieces he ever has absolutely yeah it, uh, it's it's uh, just insane like yeah look at, if you just look at these I know, covers I know you're not really a religious person man but i was kind of wondering do you have a do you have a take on the the spawn as jesus imagery presented for issue 75 and how it ties into the uh the green because what i what i think is interesting is I didn't really make that connection until now, but the crown of thorns is actually uh, tied into the idea that he is um, becoming an agent of the green as well in this issue. I, I mean, again, uh, I think it's it's dead on in a good way because, yeah, you have the green that's kind of representing well, not kind of it is representing Earth. And you have Spawn at this point in time being put between this three way war between heaven, hell and Earth and him literally representing people at this point. So the Jesus parallel of, you know, being the holy sun going down, that being one of them, but being above them at the same time, it makes it makes a lot of sense to have that those parallels going on of him being kind of this un this almost anti Messiah complex character of he does not want to he's reluctantly in this position of he does not want to be the savior. He does not want to be this. He wasn't trained for this, it wasn't his fate, it wasn't anything like this. He's just thrown into his position based on choices that were made throughout his life. 
and now he's this reluctant person that is representing basically all of humanity's existence against the most powerful beings in the universe. And I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting dichotomy to have him, you know, have his human side be present, but also him embracing more and more of these supernatural powers, especially throughout this volume. It's a, I, I dig it a lot. Uh, I've always, I always dig a lot of religious iconography and this is one of those issue covers and these issues all around that do deal with that a lot of, of spawn kind of taking his mantle off feeling more and more like he needs to be the protector of people more. He needs to, he's seeing more and more feeling the pain that he has caused and other people are causing, which also deals in with the religious aspect of really feeling like he needs to stop this pain that's happening everywhere. Right, which also, again, ties into the hidden theme of this book, which I'll, I'll talk more about when we get to the end of this issue. Um, so, yeah, so we get into it. Um, Spawn realizes his connection to Hell is severed. He, But I also want to point out something that I thought was a really beautiful bit of imagery is the steaming footprints that his presence leaves in this paradise. He is very clearly being presented as almost a snake in the garden, an interloper, yeah. an interferer, at least in these initial pages. He is being presented as someone who is not supposed to be here, and I, be, I do believe that's why he is um, assaulted, tied up uh, by the keeper, quote-unquote, of the green world of the, quote-unquote, emerald parliament. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, the, uh, the DC Swamp Thing comparisons couldn't be clearer here. Well, um, and you mentioned themes. I did want to mention throughout this volume – there is a hardcore influence and, uh, you know, uh, style homage in a lot of ways to Moore and Morrison. Like throughout these issues, there's a lot of that. Yes. It, was, it was like a hint of Gaiman almost. Like I think I even wrote down for this issue, like this issue and a future issue have this very, this one in particular has a very like Morrison Moore Gaiman combined feel to it because you're dealing with what feels like kind of Moore's take on Swamp Thing, these bigger religious ideas that Morrison would dwell into, and some of these like personal Sandman-esque touches into it. And we talk about all the time, in a book that does not get that credit in that world, it uh, it handles all these really hefty subject matters, and in this issue in particular, it has some subtle messages that are not not hammered home with like a feel, you know, it doesn't feel like it's being hit over the head with it. doesn't feel like it's killing you. And it actually is handled pretty well. in a lot of it, cause you have, uh, we should mention, you know, and while, the, while this is going on, you also are, it's intercut with, uh, Bootsy, especially who, uh, has been revealed that he has angelic connections. Uh, not to quite the full extent. We know a lot of what's going on here, but we see a little bit later what's going on with him. But he is saying that, he if he feels like the end is coming, he doesn't feel like Spawn is dead, even though the Spawn like the big coin basically that drops when a Spawn dies has dropped, but it doesn't feel like he uh, Bootsy talked about how he doesn't feel like he's dead. Cog doesn't know what's going on. Well, see, and actually, this brings up something uh, I wanted to discuss with you because I feel like maybe I missed a memo or something. Cog literally says, "You know the score as well as I do. Spawn dies, hell rises, and the final battle begins. This stuff's all written in stone." Yeah. Since when? Spawn's died like three times in this book already. Uh, when, when when did his death suddenly become the the crux upon which the actual final battle starts? We've been told for seventy four issues now that he is training to be a general in in the in Hell's army, not that his death will trigger well, think, that final battle. Well, I think it's there's been a couple of hints at it because he has mentioned a few times, like when uh, Malbolgius talked that. No matter what he, you know, no matter what he feels like, he wins because of Spawn. Dot. Whenever Spawn runs out of power, he comes back to hell. Or if Spawn dies, he comes back to hell. Uh, and he's at this point. They talk about how heaven is ill prepared for hell's attack, and how Mal Malbolgia is just kind of right on the edge of his army, being ready to attack, and kind of just waiting for Al to die at this point, or, or come back to hell to lead that army. Okay. Well, the, the way Cog talks about it, it sounds like prophecy. And yeah. That that is not. That is not the angle to which I had been led to believe uh, we've been reading this to this point. I just thought that was a weird bit of dialogue. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I do think they're trying to, with all the religious context this issue, maybe add a bit more of that like revelations feel to it. That's absolutely fair. I'm guessing that's kind of where he's going with that. 
I could be a little wrong there. We also see more of this connection that we've seen more, uh, a little bit more, and we saw at the end of 74, especially where Al and Cyan have this connection where Cyan, while Al is gone, starts having this horrible seizure. Yeah, like a, a grand mal seizure. She's foaming at the mouth. She's shaking. Um, she's muttering. Uh, we can read it. I'm kind of wondering if Terry Wanda can actually understand that she's saying, come, black, come back, please come back. Yeah. But yeah, she, she's having an, an, uh, a, a horrible epileptic fit. Um, she, she's, of course, holding the, the shoestring tied to the soother that uh, used to be in Al's face. Yeah. Yeah, for, what, for whatever reason, since his resurrection of her father cyan's um mental connection to to al has has grown uh and now and it says also it says in the dialogue this is not the first time this has happened uh um excuse me wanda says she's having one of those seizures again yeah um i, I kind of wonder again that's not really something we've seen on the page she had a wasn't willing to buy I think she she had that uh, one upset in a few. In a, what was it? Right, but that was more of a that was more of a fit. That well, was I think a, she had one. She had that one. Oh fuck! What issue was it? She did have one little thing where she had like a. They were starting to have the effects of a seizure. In a fuck, what was it? Okay. Maybe it was when he brought her dad back the first time. Uh, I do vaguely remember that. I have to look at my notes and see what issue. Uh, all I remember is she's 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 hadn't she's shown effects when the soother has been lost, when the string's been lost, when they yeah. try, try to take it away from her. But I don't remember seizures. Like I say, I don't. It's not that I don't buy that we she's had seizures off panel. I'm just I'm very curious if that's the case. If if she is a child prone to seizures, um, shit. Something's, sorry, something's happening with my chair. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> if uh, if she is a child prone to seizures, I wonder how long she's been having them. I wonder how long they've been tied to Al or Spawn. I mean, did she have a seizure the night uh, Al came I'm back almost, in the alleys? Damn, I want to see. I, I, I'd um, love to have that uh, explained. I think that's a really cool backstory that I'd like to see more of. Yeah, see, I'd have to look back through notes, but I'm almost positive we have seen at least one seizure before. Because I do, I vaguely remember them taking sign of the, the doctor. And checking her out after it. But I can't remember what issue. Right. And I can absolutely buy that. Uh, Yeah, I can't remember that issue. But that's going on. Uh, When we we mentioned meeting the Keeper, this uh, kind of the speaker of this parliament, uh, we also should mention that Spawn is obviously crucifiable. This is going on. Uh, Mm. Again, with the, uh, the unsubtle religious imagery. Yeah. That permeates this particular issue, and uh, for sure, we also get something I really dig, which is the third prong of the war being explained. Where you have again this part where you have Earth itself, kind of, and you have the Keeper giving Spawn these visions of things of what will be and what could be based on his choices, based on the current trajectory of everything, and showing him. And not just that, uh, also making the very good point of you know how much heaven and hell seem to put weight on human souls. There are so many other souls on yeah. this planet that are at risk because of this war between heaven and hell that no one seems to give a rat's ass about. Yeah. And, and how horribly that offends the keeper and the Emerald parliament. I think that's a really cool angle. And you also, and these uh, issues, especially these vision issues, uh, you can tell Capullo's about to take a couple issues break because uh, he is going ham in this shit. Where these are like these these two splash pages of the two different visions and worlds between heaven and hell and what can be and what could be are incredible. Three splashes. Three splashes. We've also got the uh, the spawn coming up as an angel between the two. Yeah, which is uh, again a very famous image, but all of them are incredible pieces. Like these are talk about dream pieces. If I could own any spawn artwork, these would be very, very high up there in the like just like iconic, incredible, amazing pieces. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great. You eventually have this leading to uh, after you see these visions, uh, Bootsy using his angelic powers to return spawn to this world, and uh, you do get a very cool moment of seeing. Uh, God, I cannot remember Bootsy's angel name. It's a weird one. Hold on, it's I'm I'm almost there. Uh, Bella, damn it. Yeah. Bella Kazakel. Yeah, and you have uh, his angelic form behind him as he's walking forward, 
and you have him saying that Bootsy's going to go face a seraphic uh, tribunal for interfering in immortal life. Yeah, it's a really cool moment, and I really like seeing. Cause at this point, we've seen a little bit of heaven. But this is one of the first times we've seen this other side of heaven, and it's like mm-hmm. the police of heaven coming basically to get Bootsy after what he did. Right. Uh, well, also, um, I really love what Bootsy says to Bobby. Um, you taught me to love humanity, not just observe it. You taught me what friendship is. I thank you. Please take care of yourself. Um, that I think is. Um, an important little bit of dialogue because again, it shows that for all we as humans think that heaven is, you know, in in, in our world, in our reality, in the way we consider heaven, uh, our conception of heaven, the way that we here in the real world look at heaven is that, you know, God and angels and all of those creatures so-called above us, love us and care about us and want us to be happy and want to take care of us and that if we are good we will be rewarded not in Spawn's world not in McFarlane's mind an angel literally had to be taught to love humanity by a human Human. we are once again shown that humans are just pawns in this world, in this battle that what we consider heaven isn't heaven for us it is just another realm just yeah. another battleground with people as you know evil and assholish and as selfish as those found below and i think that's yet another great example along with the uh, idea that vampires work for heaven um as we saw in the last volume mcfarlane once again you know really taking you know taking away some of our preconceived notions of what good and evil really can be uh within this volume and within yeah. this story i think that was and i think it's a really impressive uh, little bit of dialogue and it really makes you feel for both bootsy and bobby who i just really wanted to point out real quick we see very clearly uh drinking um i wanted to point that out because it becomes an incredibly important plot point yeah. later in this volume uh, that's something McFarlane I don't think it's enough credit for where he has crafted a very unique, very unique take on Heaven and Hell in a landscape where Heaven and Hell have been done to death you see versions of all time McFarlane has crafted a very unique version of both <clears throat> and it's something that is very very important to the core of the Spawn mythos the character mythos the story of Spawn the legacy of Spawn and yet I don't think because a lot of people when they talk about Spawn they think of oh it's Heaven and Hell it is but it's a very, very different take on heaven and hell than what you're used to. It, it combines almost this weird, like, Catholic dogma meets uh, Greek mythology with, uh, like you said, this almost multi-dimensional Grant Morrison take on what things would be. Right, and there's there's a uh, there's a hollowness to faith, yeah. I think, that uh, permeates these stories that I think is really fascinating. It is. Um, so. We, we, we end the story with Spawn back in the alleys, kind of flabbergasted by what all's happened, having seen, you know, more agents of heaven, having, you know, dealing with the, the pain of uh, his resurrection. And if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and jump into the, uh, the, the overarching theme that I feel like goes yeah. through this volume. Go ahead. So um, I want to I want to quote this page first. It's the second to last page. The last page is, of course, our beloved uh, three news anchors. Mm. Uh, man, we just can't get enough of them. But before that, we get the page, um, the narration, two week even to stand in the dim uh, spawn shutters in the dim light of the alleys, the weight of the world's upon his shoulders. And then the voices come thousands of voices echoing through his head, full of desperation, fear, hatred from every corner of the city. They scream at him. So many, they threaten to drown him. The keeper's words come back to haunt him. You will know the soul of your world better now. Hellspawn. I doubt it is a gift. You will be glad of the pain of, of the city is alive and it is calling out to him. Now I'm going to read from my notes because I don't want to um, – I don't want to flub this. So I'm going to sound like I'm still reading. It's just because I'm, I'm going to touch my notes a little bit. Okay. What does fascinate me about this issue is that Spawn's new power set is essentially empathy. Mm-hmm. He feels 
everything and everyone. And as a former assassin, his position demanded that he explicitly not care about other people. And outside of Wanda, that's been the case for Al. Even when he did something good, he's been, as Cog so eloquently put it, reacting, not acting. And a lack of empathy explains how he's been so shitty and two-faced to Terry, to Bobby, etc. And I don't know and I don't think McFarlane explicitly pitted this as a fix or a backfill, but I absolutely uh, believe it can be read that way, especially given the events of the next few issues. The theme of this story is that Spawn gets empathy. It is an incredibly well, new sensation for him. I'm sorry to interrupt there. This actually goes with our religious stuff really well, where, uh, I mean, goes the idea of the Christian idea of Jesus, of a someone who he has been through all of humanity's pain. He goes through all of humanity's pain. He feel, Whatever pain you've gone through, he, he goes through it too. That idea of shared misery right. and shared that, but also... Not only shared misery. But that's what the crucifixion was. Yes. Was that in, in the crucifixion, he is brought to feel everything. And even Jesus at one point says, why hast thou forsaken me to his very father, mm. believing that even he has been tossed out of well, God's love. If we wanted to get to it, we did just call Spawn being crucified. And now, you know, literally you could argue making sin of being literally crucified for humanity in the, in the parliament and now moving into a new stage and coming back, literally coming back later much like being resurrected, much like Jesus being resurrected and being resurrected new to try to save what's left of his people and now feeling more protective of his people. Right. But I, I do feel like that ties into um, the idea that this character, who has been written, admittedly, kind of um, spottily. I mean, yeah. we've seen Spawn make some incredibly uh, unselfish choices, resurrecting Bobby, taking the tumor out of Terry's head. We've seen Spawn make some incredibly selfish choices after saving Terry, being like, fuck it, I'm going after my wife, fuck you. To this point, to, for 74 issues, we've see, seen Spawn do whatever was best for spawn and i feel like in this issue in this issue and in this volume we start seeing him actively try to do better yeah and, and be a, not not be a better person per se but his his motives and his actions definitely take on another dimension, dimension. Well, and becomes, i really think that is best reflected in issue 76 no he yeah he he becomes truly selfless in a lot of ways in these next few mm -hmm. issues it's the first time we've seen spawn where he's not trying to get, he's really not trying to get Wanda back. He's not trying to get back at Malbolgia. He's not trying to kill everybody for the first time. He's not trying to get back at Jason Wynn, which yeah. he's actually done like three times to this point, yeah. to the point where you and I were pointing out, why the hell does he keep going after Wynn? We've literally seen this in the last 10 issues. It's true. It's very true. Uh, and with issue 76 and a few others, yeah, it's the first time where we see him using his powers for protection and help of people that he not only he cares about, but that have cared about him. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, issue 76 yeah, I, uh, is a big one. Yeah, it's, uh, I think issue 76 is probably the, the keystone to my argument of empathy. Yeah. So you, you are very good at the recaps. Um, if you want to go ahead and recap the issue real quick, I will shut the hell up for a minute. So 76, I love that. I know you probably did too, because 76 shockingly has a very, very like crow feel. This is where I feel like mm -hmm. it's got like a lot of crow and a lot of Sandman, and not in a copycat way, not in like oh he's trying to be game and he's trying to be a bard. No, like I, like that same kind of energy, that same kind of like righteous anger and pain turned into empathy, hope, uh, empathy and hope. Yeah. It has that where seventy six starts off in like you all guys know we love Granny Blake. One of our favorite characters of Spawn. Uh, she is probably the, the, the podcast's favorite supporting character. Oh, it's incredible. We've said a million times, no matter what you say about McFarlane, McFarlane, for some reason, might write a, a older granny better and more realistic than almost anyone else in comics, and I have no clue why. He, I don't know if his I grandmother think, uh, was a huge influence on him or what, but... He has to be based on either Wanda's grandma or his. It, yeah. It, it, his, his grandmother-in-law or his own grandmother, someone in his life was was. I mean, it's it's too perfect to not have been based on a real person. Yeah, it's it's pitch perfect. It's because it's it's always consistent. All there's never been a bad Granny Blake moment. Never. Exactly. 
It's uh, and we start off, we start off with Granny Blake, which is a great sign. It's Granny Blake visiting the uh, burial plot of her, you know, her dead husband. And there we have Spawn hanging out in a graveyard because it's Spawn. It, let's be honest, it's one of those things where it makes sense. He's hanging out in a graveyard. Uh, she hangs up to him, and it's kind of the sweet moment of Spawn being like, "What are you doing here?" And she's like, "Oh, that's you, Al. I'm, you know, visiting here." And starts telling him how she met Gentleman Jack, her first husband. And it's like, it's very sweet. It's very nice. You see the story of, you know, the kind of small town beginnings, this very quaint beginnings, and Gentleman Jack joined the military, her having this hope and faith that he'll return, but being scared to death for him, hoping that he wouldn't be called out, hoping he wouldn't go, but knowing he had this duty to do something, which does reflect later on in life, too, very well on how she feels about people, him coming back, how he worked for the government, how he did all this stuff, and you learn uh, something I forgot was this issue, how she was blinded. Right. Which is, and that she was blinded at such a young age. Yeah. That, uh, I, I mean, it feels like something that would happen just to an older person, but no, she was blinded uh, while her children were still children. Yeah, and in, and like, again, how it's written is actually very well written. It's in this way where, and the art and the pacing it's is a, great. It's a touch melodramatic, but that's, that's McFarlane. Oh, if, you don't, if you don't enjoy melodrama, you should not be reading Spawn. Yeah. That, that is McFarlane's go-to... Um, you know, genre and he makes it work. What I, mean, I, I'm not, I'm not criticizing him. What I love about it is it gives her an origin story. That's as important as like a superhero origin, but she's not super. She's a normal person. It kind of delves into this weird idea that isn't overtly said, but it's the idea like everybody has this incredible. And she kind of mentioned like everyone has these dark spots and these horrible moments that you have to rise above. Everyone has this horrific origin story in a lot of ways. And she, mm. it touches on that a little bit, how she's been through a ton and it it's really nice because you have that going on. It, it's touching Spawn, having her being so supportive, having you know her still at, in a dark moment for him. Even talking about Wanda and how she explains like she, she still loves you more than anyone. Terry's taking care of her, but you're still her true love, and it's all stuff. And Spawn taking her to the dead zone, which we've seen hinted at a little bit, and then we start seeing this another new power pop up that was he's gained recently. And he, at first, I do like this because it's left a mystery for a while of what he's doing. And it's this really sweet moment where he essentially opens a portal to uh, her heaven. Like actually, like a version of like, are you talking about what we picture heaven? And gets to have her eyes back. She's averted back to this young age and gets to spend some time with Gentleman Jack. And it's like this super touching moment. Yeah, it is incredibly sweet. And it is also, again, 100% selfless yeah. on Al Simmons' part. And I'm saying Al Simmons, I'm not saying Spawn. Well, then you because have... it is absolutely Al's decision to do this. And then it goes into, and again, we can talk more in detail, but it ends with this incredibly touching moment of, you know, she still has her eyesight and her saying, you know, I want to see what you look like. And Al being, you know, ashamed because he has almost his elephant man syndrome going on where... He is this horrific monster and feels like he's this horrific person, but he's just in this horrible thing. And while she still has her eyesight in this young version, walks up to her. She finally sees what he now looks like. She embraces him, uh, says how beautiful he is, basically. Uh, walks past oh, the dead zone. Oh, she literally zone. says, Al, you're beautiful. Yeah. Uh, walks past the dead zone, loses her eyesight again, has you know, this, like crying tears of thankfulness. And it's like this very, very, very touching issue that builds off of the last issue that... I'll be honest, in, in a lesser writer and artist's hands would have been a crappy filler issue, but this feels like, like you said, the, almost a gemstone of this volume. Well, it is, again, it's so necessary for this to be the first action that Al Simmons takes yeah. once he's gained his empathy. The first thing he does is he finds the person who has kept him sane, who has tried to steer him on the right path, who has helped him selflessly throughout this entire story, which is not Cogliostro, it's not Sam and Twitch, it's Granny Blake, and gives her a gift. Yeah. Completely selflessly and completely of his own volition. It is such a necessary story point and such a necessary issue following issue 75 that, again, while I don't think McFarlane was consciously making this empathy uh, uh, a key point I don't know. I kind of feel like he had to be because, I mean, it is like every single issue. That is a key point of him doing stuff for the people and feeling this pain. I mean, right. 
Oh, it's overtly stated that like he doesn't know what to do with feeling all this pain that he's feeling now, all these hurt, all, right. all these hurting voices. I would say, I, would I, say, I think it's I think it's the story he found in the writing because he's he's and he's talked about this. I've seen a little bit of it yeah. on. Uh, I haven't watched the whole documentary, but I've seen a little bit or read a little bit of him being like, "What does he? What's going to entertain him this issue?" Yeah. And finding in the and finding this story in the writing, um, it feel it feels very. Uh, it feels very McFarlane. It's the best oh, way yeah. I can put it. It feels, well, it feels think, very lucky by dint of, of writing through it. I, I, so I don't even know if I would say lucky. I think the idea of writing through it, one thing that it does is it, it means you're always writing through passion. It means you're always writing through heartfelt moments. I think that's why these moments work so well. Because when you find it in the writing and you're finding what's coming out of you naturally, you're going to be so much more passionate. You're going to write what you feel. And I think that's why Spawn, at its best, in issues like this, feels so real. It feels like, like I said, these feel like real people actually interacting. They feel fleshed out. There's hopeful moments. There's touching moments. Whereas a, a different kind of writer who say someone who does plan out every moment meticulously and you are getting there and you, you know, say issue one, you planned out this heart touching moment at 16. It might fall flat because you're, you know, at this point you're just, you're not feeling it. You're writing it because this is what happens in the story next. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a comparison and I have to, I'm saying this as a person who's a huge fan of the writer I'm about to pick on, but you just, you just described Jonathan Hickman. Yeah. You just, you just described Jonathan Hickman trying to write an emotional heartfelt moment, which always does feel a little cold and distant for all of its emotion because it is something that, you know, this is, this is where on the spreadsheet, um, yeah. you know, Reed and Sue reunite with Johnny after him, you know, supposedly being dead in the neutral zone. That's, 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 that is where it's supposed to show up. So this is the issue that's showing up in. So, and again, love Hickman. Oh yeah, we love Hickman. Hickman fan. Uh, I've read his entire Marvel catalog. Um, but no, I think you're no, right. Though. You're absolutely right. <laughs> because Hickman, Hickman is is a reversal always. Right? He has this meticulously planned out story, but it does, and it's great for these big plot points, these little reveals. Oh my God, he planned this in, in issue one, and now it's being paid off here. Where McFarlane has that, you know, write what you feel, write in the emotion, have the, you know, leave things open ended so you can come back to them. But it's not going to be like the littlest detail not always there. But you mentioned earlier the first issue, the fact that he took this shoe, the shoestring, and made it one of the key items in the story because he happened to find when, oh, when it was literally a visual gag at the end of the Batman uh, Spawn crossover. Um, yeah, and, and, and turned it into something important. I, I, I've suggested before, McFarlane is more or less the king of backfill. He is the well, yeah. king of retcons. He figured he figures out what to do later, and seven times out of ten, it works so well. It seems like it's been planned in the first place. And I would argue that, for me personally, I think in a lot of ways that that style does benefit people, especially in this industry, a lot more for the simple fact of you mentioned Hickman. When you ha you have that loss problem, where if you're going towards an ending that everyone sees coming. And you have no other way to go about it. It's like you're either going to nail an ending that people aren't excited about, or nail a moment that people saw coming. Or if you change it, it's not going to fit the story anymore. Now you got to go to this style anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think McFarlane. Glad you had that problem. Yeah, exactly. McFarlane at this point has you mentioned has become so good at finding these little moments. Like, okay, I didn't explain this here. Uh, but now I can put this here, and it makes this feel not only does this, this feel more important, but also it lets me reach this new level that I'm going to that I didn't know about. And also having these ideas along the way. Again, a brilliant idea of well, you know, Earth is filled with humans, yes, but all these other souls, all of them, the planet itself, what is that doing? And then finding, oddly enough, finding the spawn messiah figure instead of through heaven and hell, but through earth, which is a very human idea in a best way. And it's very almost like I mentioned off mic, almost studio Ghibli idea of, Oh no, like the earth itself has so many souls on it that of course it would have skin in the game. Right. Uh, and now and you mentioned now spawn right now in this in 76, trying to figure out this person has helped me. I want to help them experience them and not even knowing what they're doing, but having this instinctual, let me make your life better for a moment and giving her something that she never thought she could have back. We're giving her eyesight back again for a little bit, giving her a moment with her deceased husband again, letting well, her that's, be. That's not entirely true. She is religious enough to believe in the heaven that I spoke about. Oh, no, earlier. she is. She always figured she was going to have that, but she didn't. She never expected to have it in this oh, yeah. lifetime. Well, that's what so I mean. Yeah, like giving her something that she. 
can have again, and also giving a and also, but also going back to this idea that maybe that heaven does exist at, in some degree, right? And that's not yeah. knowing for sure. Like again, this multi the multi layered idea of heaven because we also don't get a lot of God's perspective for a long time because God in this book is presented kind of like the idea of what we have as God on the couple times we have seen her in a lot of ways. Right. And we, we should mention, we did see her for uh, like that one panel where you have the big splash page where she is presented there again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also not like we've seen her before. She looks very angry. uh, True. True. Uh, She she definitely seems more of a general in that as opposed to the, um, the, the, the sweeter, kinder, more knowledgeable than thou, but not in a um, demeaning way yeah. or over overbearing way uh, that we saw her in issue thirty. Her, 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 her. Yeah, uh, this and even going you know issue seventy seven. This entire volume is a volume of just getting a lot of these big things happening. Because seventy seven, we finally start getting a lot of the cog payoffs. Yes, and also we get the single best cover of Spawn. Oh yeah, I, uh, this is. <laughs> If not my favorites in my top three, I the Angel Spawn, the Wings of Redemption Spawn is one of the like coolest, one of the coolest character designs for us uh, in for me in comics. Period. It's yeah. so simple, so effective. Just I gotta tell you, see again, seeing that on the newsstand as this was coming out was fucking mind blowing. Yeah. And it's a testament to less can be more. It is just a character pick. It is just a character pick done really well. And it is so eye catching, so different from anything at that time and still would stand out on a shelf today. Mm-hmm. It's uh, all, I mean, again, all of these covers are great because none of them, none of them follow the traditional comics cover. They're not, right. They they really kind of break the rules on covers in this volume, especially because you don't have what you would typically expect from a cover. You don't have a cool action piece. You don't have a cool like a, a really cool designed uh, like uniquely designed art art deco take that's become very popular. You don't have a uh, a minimalistic you don't have the one. Hero leaping out of the out of the cover. Uh, yeah, in a, in a super splashy. Um, eye-catching way they're they're very they feel like portraits they do this is some of capullo's like best and it and something capullo excels at because it's also what would go you know would go on to be kind of known for him when it comes to some of his batman covers his metal covers death metal last night like a lot of them he's very good at these almost like uh 50 sci-fi kind of idea of novel of novella covers where it'd be an image that is so enticing and does have to do with the story inside but not and it's representative of it, but not necessarily exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, like you said that you mentioned seventy five. That scene doesn't happen, but it does symbolize what happens in that issue. Right. Uh, yeah, this cover's great. This and it, I can. This cover's <laughs> great. Uh, this issue to dive into a little bit. We it starts with Spawn talking to Cog and wonder kind of why he's feeling more normal. What what is this new thing he's feeling? What's going on? And Cog finally saying, you know, Spawn demanding, I want to know. And Cog finally going, you know what? You probably are ready. Actually, you've changed a lot in a quick amount of time. I'm ready to show you stuff. Yeah. Uh, you, you go. And from, then a beautiful subplot of uh, Bobby just yeah. trying to get a drink. And Bobby, I, just pointed, I want to point that out because it leads to an amazing moment at the end. Bobby. Bobby, like, dealing with the grief of losing his friend in a very realistic way. He's missing Boots. He doesn't know what's going on. We start seeing Sam and Twitch for the first time in this volume, really. Uh, when, you know, uh, Sam is out for Spawn. He's kind of, he's tired. Like, this this issue's filled with people go like, you know what, I'm tired of waiting. Let's get to it. And that's where Sam's at. With like, I'm tired of being bossed around saying I work for this guy. I'm tired of this head. I'm tired of this head. Let's go get him. You have, uh, you know, Bobby is still sulking. He is sad. He is depressed. He's lost one of his best friends. He's offered a safe place to stay uh, by this mysterious woman we don't really know. And then around the same time, you have him confronted very aggressively by Sam and Twitch. Twitch is trying to calm Sam down, but Sam is on the war path. And yeah. Bobby's getting the brunt of it right now. And you have that at the same time that's going on. You have Cog finally. And Spawn finds out that he is a man of letters. Do you not watch Supernatural? I, I yeah, I don't watch Supernatural. That was uh, 
some supernatural fans just laughed. Um, yeah, Spawn finds out that he there is actually a whole repository of knowledge about him, his his kind, heaven, hell, and all of this stuff that Cog has basically been hiding from him all of this time. Which I do love. There is one line where I did love Cog being like, "I don't spend all my time in the alley." Yeah, <laughs> uh, which I really dug. And you also get the reveal that Cog. You find it's been heavily hinted. That Cog was a hell spawn. Right. Well, he actually referred to himself as one in issue fifty, but at, at the time it did not. You weren't one hundred percent sure if he was being metaphorical. Yeah. And now we find out, as a matter of fact, no, he not only was a spawn, he figured out to how to um, get the uh, the the necroplasmic costume, the parasite, the parasite yeah. off of him. And you get Cog's plan, what he has been trying to do, and you get Al's reaction, which was he essentially wants Al to kill the devil and become, or kill Malvolja and become uh, the king of hell so he can fully end this war and sacrifice himself to save all humanity and heaven and hell and the parliament and everything in between. Right. Which, again, goes towards the idea of Spawn's empathy. Yeah. He is now. Now that he finally can feel uh, and, and can understand other people's plights, that's that's what Cog has been leading towards. You know, now that you now that you understand the stakes, and now that you can actually empathize with the stakes, maybe you're ready to hear. You're going to have to make the ultimate sacrifice. You're going to have to become the evil of the world, but with an understanding that you can do nothing about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Spawn's reaction is uh, pretty clearly: this is bullshit. I hate this, no. And then also at the same time, we find that uh, Bootsy finds uh, uh, the friend, his, a friend in quotes, uh, the other alley mate he was talking to earlier, has yeah. had his throat slit, is holding a bottle full of booze. Bootsy takes it and in a moment of absolute weakness, um, drinks the bottle from his dead friend. Uh, it's an incredibly crushing moment incredibly sad uh again mcfarlane plays it ex- extremely well and we've we've talked almost from the beginning of this podcast at how amazing uh todd mcfarlane's empathy for the uh, residents of the alleys is in this book and i think once again that um that empathy that sympathy um to the plight of homeless people um the indigent uh shows through in McFarlane's work. It's true. Uh, then you get you get a classic comic sl- cliffhanger with Twitch being shot. In the head. Yeah. By just some some dick who uh, just gets a lucky shot. Pretty much, yeah. You, know, you have coming out, uh, we learn a little bit later more about him, but uh, he comes out, on the, he's also on the warpath while Sam and Twitch are looking for Spawn. They've kind of given up. Comes out of the alleyway, starts shooting at him. Uh, Sam Shoots him down. He thinks he's uh, got him. Turns around, and uh, Twitch has been shot in the head. We don't know what's going on. I think uh, going to issue seventy-eight, continuous, uh, continue a little bit the religious imagery and iconography. It cuts to three days later with Twitch in the hospital, uh, and we yeah. have man. I didn't even think about that three days, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, we have that, and you have another. Going back to empathy, you have Sam now, who feels like he just he may have just got his best friend and partner gunned down. He may have had his mm-hmm. he, he had he may have ended the life of his best friend because of his anger. He is sad, he's depressed, and he's literally praying out to God to save him and spawn shows up. Again, more more religious with, stuff. With the best line in the uh, in the goddamn volume. Sam Burke, be careful what you wish for in the dark. Yep. God it's, damn it, that is a, just a well-written turn of phrase. It's great. It's that, that's just really good writing. Uh, and this is also around time I like, because if you notice, uh, we kind of don't start paying attention to the power scaling and the power, all the uh, power draining stuff, because uh, spawns in a lot of stuff. Yeah, the, um, there's, there's a lot of, yeah, and I've, I've also, I've read interviews with McFarlane where he was just like, I got bored. He, he just, he, he, he had... He decided he just didn't want to play with the power scale anymore. But I I think you could actually um, kind of link it to his uh, Parliament of Trees, um, Emerald Parliament um, conversion. Because, yeah, it it happens roughly the same time. He's no longer just an agent of hell. Uh, So he no longer has to rely on hell for his power. Yeah. 
it, it's true because uh, you have Spawn doing similar to the Terry where he touches uh, Twitch to save his life, tells Sam that you know he'll be healed in the morning, he'll be called a miracle, but now Sam and Twitch belong to Spawn and work for him. Uh, which again, you know, this this is this is more of a traditional Al Simmons slash Spawn take on it, which is yeah. I did something for you, now you owe me. But it's a pretty I big think get, it though. Still ties in. I, I, I think it still ties in at least a little bit to the idea of the the empathy arc we've been discussing, yeah. because what he you know he's speaking the language that Sam Burke understands which is tit for tat quid pro quo yep. but he also before when he's tried to use Sam and Twitch it was um, very much for his own ends it was very much in the war against uh, Jason Wynn now it is in his kind of new position as the, the speaker for the parliament for as, as the representation of humanity in that he wants to use them to stop pain stop the pain stop the crime stop the hurt yep. that is happening throughout the city it's so true there is there is an empathetic an empathetic bent to it it's very true uh we then we fully meet uh sarah frost the girl that we saw earlier that, that gave bobby her card we see kind of a little bit that she's helping out and she's a you know good samaritan seeming person uh and in the background uh homeless bodies are starting to pile up yep uh, and we get a, a whole lot of just investigation. Uh, I think Spawn once – well, he, he disappears for most of the issue and it kind of becomes the Sam and Twitch show for an issue. Yep. Or Sam mostly. And we get to see why Sam Burke actually is a pretty goddamn good detective. Yeah, no, we do. I mean, it, it's been it's been hinted at before. It was definitely played with over in the Curse of the Spawn title, but I think this is the first time in the main title we actually get to see Sam Burke do his job. And yes, okay, he's actually pretty goddamn good at his job. Yeah, he really is. He's getting good. And then we end with uh, this volume getting gory and gore. We end with uh, a dead child. Yep, but also uh, Spawn doing some research uh, into the um, the marks that yes. used to be appearing oh, yes. on each of that. these corpses. Yes, where we're seeing that there are these corpses, and the man that eventually we find out the man that shot Twitch has this mark, and we don't really know much. Uh, Cog is kind of researching it. But it all it. does tie together. Yes, it does. Cog is researching it, and they know it. They, they know it's something ancient. They know their stuff, but they're, they haven't quite figured out what. And again, these issues, this is this volume is very strong because it does have not only overarching themes, but the plot itself, because we go right into 79, which I was going to say, continuing my idea of, like, McFarlane throughout this volume channeling in the best way his inner Moore and Morrison. This has such a, like, Watchmen Invisibles vibe in this intro. Mm-hmm. This whole Mr. Crone talking is this weird combination of, like, King Mob and Rorschach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I didn't put that together, but it's true. But again, this is where I feel like, is he is he imitating both of those writers? Yes. Is he of the quality of both of those writers? Not even close. And I say that, I'm trying to say that in the nicest and the most non-insulting way possible. Because it is so melodramatic and heavy-handed and yeah. so McFarlane that, I don't know, it just... It hits differently than either of those two writers, but I can definitely see the influence. And it's not bad. I'm not criticizing it. Yeah. I'm just saying it is so completely still McFarlane and and not either of those other guys. But that's still – I would say that's a major plus because that means, again, being able to have your own voice while still doing a style of somebody else is very hard. Because the fact that it doesn't yeah, no. come, come off like a pale imitation and you can still go, oh, it's still McFarlane writing it. Yeah, even though it does have that but vibe. Again, it's just it's 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 McFarlane being as McFarlane as possible, and yeah. sometimes that's just a little bit too much. I don't and never again, know say, for say me. That the nicest way possible. I, I love it. I, I'm always here for <laughs> melodrama. Uh, but then we so we get this Mr. Crone uh, in big introduction, uh, like again very melodramatic him talking over. A lot of internal thoughts, what's going on, uh, that there's a mysterious thing going on in the background no one's even paying attention to. And then we cut to a very intensive investigation of cops questioning Bobby uh, after the death of his friend because his fingerprints, of course, were found in the bottle because you mentioned earlier. He picked up the bottle, he drank it, there's blood literally on his hands of his dead friend's blood on him. Question, why did he kill him? What did he go on? 
what's what's going on here and like being Bobby of course being depressed out of it. No clue what's going on. He just wants to be back. He feels horrible. Probably hungover. Probably hungover. He feels abandoned. He feels like you know Bootsy said that he'd watch over him and he feels like he's failing at that. Uh, you have Sam come in, and again, going back to the great detective work, him talking to this cop, like, you know he didn't do this, and him kind of yeah. <laughs> laying out why, what's going on, and in a moment of desperation, the only person that he can call for his one call is Sarah Frost, the girl we've met earlier, who uh, was at the hospital, who uh, gave him the card, and that leads to uh, Sarah and Sam going on a little bit of dinner date after, they, after they're running. Yeah. Which is Which is, is cute, but unfortunately, it, it I feel like it telegraphs the ending just because again McFarlane can't help but make Sam Burke the the grossest yeah. in the history of like I I love when he gives Sam the little glimmers of yes he's very very good at his job yeah but I mean any person any person who is this bad with money who is this slovenly probably would have died of some kind of horrific <laughs> accident by now um there's just it's it's i understand the, the attempt to be comedic but he just it's one of the few things i feel like mcfarlane genuinely takes too far it is the the slovenly sad sackness of sam burke and I, I feel like that eventually gets you know pulled back well, especially when bendis does the the sam and twitch title um and again i think over in curse of spawn it was uh dialed back a little bit but man yeah it's it's, just, it's never sat right with me uh especially I, will, I, I, I love sam and twitch i will say i do appreciate though i think having mr crone at the beginning this big melodramatic melodramatic uh, intro did help him be a little bit of a red herring who this killer was because mm-hmm. uh again we're, we're narrowed down pretty quickly that we have two choices who the killer probably is based on who's been introduced but introducing them so close to each other and having one being almost playing off of the McFarlaneisms that he has, where one is clearly up to no good, mm-hmm. it does lend to that. Uh, we do, but we find out That's that fair. we uh, find out that this girl that died, the kid was this like fourteen year old prostitute essentially. She mm-hmm. knew, Fro- uh, she knew Frost. Frost was trying to help her, and kind of Frost explains at the dinner date that how she's trying to help people, why she's trying to help people, and she's a big believer that you know people who help them, you know God helps those who help themselves, and she's. Seeing, you know, she tries to give everyone a chance and trying to help them out. And that's what she's doing with uh, Bobby right now because Bobby is a good one who she knows he's good. He's wanting to help himself. He just needs that, you know, push in the right direction. Right. Uh, and important. One little push. We do. And, you know, we have Cog kind of investigating stuff. We also get, uh, I can't remember if it's Cog or Crone, we get the first mention of Endgame, which will end up being a major, major, major story for Spawn very soon. Okay, I caught none of that because I did not know that. Where is that uh, mentioned, if you don't mind me asking? I don't remember. It's just in my notes that we have the first mention of Endgame. (laughs) Well, that's... I want to say it's either... It's right after... uh, It's right after we get... uh, We have Bobby... Uh, Sam finds Bobby and he is dying pretty much. I think we cut, if we cut back to Mr. Crone, I believe, or Cog, who do we cut back to? Bobby's dying and we cut back to one of them. Uh, no, we, uh, Bobby's dying is the end of the story. Uh, but Crone is, is, no, like it's before, in between, on... it's in between Bobby, like Sam goes in the alley to go meet him, picks up Bobby before he breaks into the apartment to find, uh, the, the new killing. There's a panel or somewhere in between there. And that's where we get the first mention. Oh yeah, you're right. Yes, yes, yes. okay. Yeah, the uh, and it is it's Mr. Crone's narration yes. over uh, uh, Sam finding Bobby. Yeah. Okay. All events are rushing headlong toward their inevitable conclusion. The pieces are in place. The course is set. Certainly, a pawn or two may be sacrificed, but the end game is near. You're mm. correct. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea that was actually um, as much foreshadowing as you are now telling me it is. Yes, that's, that's exciting. Um, as someone just to, just because I want to say I fell off the book about this time. Oh. Uh, very very much around this. We're we're ending the time when I had my big um, post movie spawn collecting phase. So. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we get end game will become especially very soon. It's kind of what we're le- it's essentially become the story that the first like eighty issues have led up to. Okay. And that becomes like the big, I want to say it's the issue like 95 to 100, something like that. Gotcha. It's like it's, or maybe it's 90 to 100. It might be a bigger one, but it becomes the right. big, big one. We'll actually not that far away from. 
I was uh, gonna say we are we are just heading towards that at a very very good speed. We that we are, uh, and then when so you know we find that in eighty, waste no time jumping into like going back to Sam being a good detective despite his feelings. Basically reveals spawn that Frost's a killer. I found this. I found that she's a killer, uh, and we very quickly get her confronted by Spawn and get we've seen Spawn do this before, but in this one the amount of detail. A nightmare death. Mm-hmm. I think this may have been the issue where I stopped reading because I have a thing about bugs. Um, it's not huge. It's, it's not it a, is, a major phobia. But it's enough where it bothers me. And I very specifically remember her spraying herself in the face with a can of rain. Yeah. And that just making me physically ill this, as a 15, 16-year-old, whatever I was when I was reading it. And I think this was one of the issues that actually put me off the spawn because mm-hmm. it is so prolonged. Yeah. And detailed yes. and it's, it's like it's, it's the same thing that happened with the freak yeah. you know the idea that this this um this justice the specter like justice is is being uh, meted out but it, it, it's so and and, and the, the art is so telling and the details are so graphic that it's just it may be kind of physically ill dude <laughs> no it is this is uh i want to say it's got to be heavily in the the ways it's set up has to be um, and it sounds like something for will be a fan of i believe it's the creep show short yeah the, the final episode the final short and creep show yeah. which also uh no pun intended bugs the shit out of me yeah i have a hard time watching that one <laughs> this is very much like that little that end of the anthology it is so frost it's revealed you know it's been hinted at that she's a kind of a clean freak throughout there's been little bitty things and we see it starts with her again in the shower mentioned that she's you know taking like seven showers in the day she feels great she feels and she sees a bug on her face she kind of swats off she freaks out a little bit and then you again confronted by spawn and spawn just continuously covering her with these horrific bugs that are, you know, gnawing at her. The, and honestly, this goes to McFarlane's writing strengths. There are they line in here about the bugs biting and scratching her open, her spraying raid on, or spraying the bug spray on her, it getting into those cuts and, and uh, scratches, burning them. It's like, that is a brilliant, like, how it's described. I can't remember the, the verbiage, but this I, that idea I, of it's I can't great. either because it makes me sick. <laughs> it, again, it is like it is a truly horrific, great way to describe it. Like you said, it it is so effective in what it's trying to do, where she is being eaten alive, spraying herself with raid, being the cuts and burns. It is a horrific death. Spawn getting vengeance the, uh, for the the, sh- the shadowy like um oh god what am I looking the silhouette almost. But I mean, there's still a lot of detail of her literally vomiting bugs. Yeah, uh, is yeah again just absolutely horrifying yeah, it just, is. A, just a tremendously tremendous and also just terrifying visual yeah, it upsetting is. this issue is upsetting <laughs> it, it is it is uh you get on one hand it's upsetting but it's also to see spawn for the first time not the first time but to see him one of the first times getting going back to empathy getting justice and vengeance for hit what he feels like is his people and making when they make a statement of this is what happens when you fuck with my people as opposed to for himself yes 100 percent. yes absolutely and it is uh it's it's vivid it's disgusting in the best way it's effective uh you and after that's gone you have them come back and it's this great scene of you know the cops coming up and you know sam seeing her and they're basically yeah it looks like she basically sprayed raid in her own mouth mouth till she died essentially uh, in her own face, it's all over the place. She's tried to claw herself. It's this horrible death. And you have Sam, who's normally very jovial and lighthearted. It's a nice callback to how he's been at previous death scenes, where, like, oh, it's not. Uh, there's a great line with like, oh, it's not doing anything. It's something like, you know, I guess, uh, you know, a dead body doesn't hit me the way it used to, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a great line. And then you end this issue on a killer cliffhanger. Where they it's very literally, killer. literally going back, we were talking about seven beforehand. You walk up, they're walking back to their office. They're made men at this point in time. They've been given the credit of they solved the case of the serial killer. They are on top of the world. They know that now their detective agency is going to start booming. They walk up to the door, the box, they're open up. There's a head, and then you look up and you learn Billy's back. And I'm pretty sure that's the head of what's his name? You've literally been saying it all episode. Start the seat. The, Crone, yeah, I believe that's Crone's head. I don't know. I, I believe it's supposed to be. I can't remember at this point in time. I. Well, does he have the mole? That's the important thing. Uh, no, he doesn't. He might. Yeah, I don't... It doesn't look like he has the mole. Never mind. 
Yeah, I was about to say, I don't I think, because if I remember right, I think Mr. Crone comes, is an important character, if I remember okay. right. But no, this is this is one of the biggest uh, cliffhangers we've had for a, an unintentional cliffhanger for a final volume since Spawn got his face back. Yeah. No, it's very, very true. Like, we do not get... Uh, yeah, uh, we it's it's crazy how big of a one this is. It's a great cliffhanger. We've got a we get a few of them, but yeah, this is the one since the face getting back. This is the first one that goes, oh shit. Yeah, this is that that's again for for just a oh shit. That's how we're ending this volume, which is not traditionally you know these were not meant to be collected in such a way. So it's just it's a nice little. Um, bit of luck i guess that uh this this one ends up having such a tremendous cliffhanger but yeah again just a, a really strong ending to an incredibly strong volume i was really deeply impressed um with this entire uh collection um one of the best we've read in a long time it was really again oh yeah i really, love really i love this volume to death uh, I have to ask if you had to pick what's your favorite issue. I have a feeling I know what it is mm. because I'm pretty sure we would pick the same one. But um, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. It for me, it's almost a tie because goddamn, I love 75 and 76 for very different mm. reasons. I love a lot. Uh, so either of those are probably up there. For me, it's 76. Yeah, 76 is great. It's hard not to be. It's because it's again, we we it's it, it feels so important to acknowledge how good McFarlane is at emotion. Yeah, I think. Um, does that make any sense? No. Yeah, I, I think that, I think that works really well. That's uh, we. Yeah, no, I it's it's great. This is this is again some of my favorite spawn. This volume thirteen, uh, as far as just a collection for what we're doing, is might be my favorite volume so far. I I love this is the kind of spawn stories I love, and we're getting the, the this is the type of spawn I love. The art, the storytelling, it, all around, they are knocking out and introducing these really cool ideas, playing with these big things. We're getting and the next few volumes continue this in awesome ways. Yeah, I wish I could say this, the same. The um, that last issue puts it down to a four star for me. Um, it was just it's it goes a little too far. Oh, from but my that own should make taste. it. That should make it. The fact that it grossed you out that much that should be a, like a six star <laughs> at that point. It's going to affect you that much. What what uh, other, what other book of the week have you read that affected you that much? Good question. I have to think about that. Um, no, for, for me, again, it's and it's all about the nostalgia. But my favorite volume is still probably the uh, um, that three parter with issue twenty three in it. Oh yeah, that's fair. Hunted or whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. It's a very good one. Yeah, this is this is great. But this is where you start getting into this time where McFarlane starts playing with some really interesting things. Like we're getting. More and more into where you can see his like William Blake influences start coming out a lot. He uh, gets really into his like romance, dark romance in some ways. Uh, we're getting into some interesting shit. And That's I, uh, fascinating. Love it. Yeah, I know. This is again. I, I love this volume. I, I, yeah, I just can't wait because for the next like forty issues of what we're reading, it's some of my favorite shit. Are you okay? Are you there? Yeah. I lost you. Okay. I thought, no. I thought you were, you were, you were going to continue that thought and you just, okay. Whew. No, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I, just, I okay. love these next, like, honestly from issue like 75 to, I want to say like 120 is 125 is all shit I love. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. We're uh, getting some great stuff, but we want to know what you guys love out there. Cause we, for one, we love hearing what you love. We always appreciate hearing from you guys. And uh, there's a lot of ways to do that. Oh, easiest way to get me personally is if you want me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm on both at Hellhound F5. Uh, I am on Twitter uh, at blah blah pod. I'm on Instagram at blah blah podcast. Yeah, which is our parent channel, by the way. We are yes. uh, we are the blah blah 
uh, podcast. Uh, Respawn is the subset of our regular comics and pop culture podcast. Um, we'd love for you to listen to that show if you're interested. Uh, if not, we still love you anyway. Yeah, if you just want your Spawn dump, that's what we're here for. You want to hear about the newest information and comics and movies and all of that? We got Blah Blah Comics. You want some weird indie things coming up? You want some different books on what's going on on the underground? We got Dangerous Humans. If you want all this and more, if you want to see two icons in comics collide, we got Comics Collision. We got we hope a little we bit for everyone. Yeah. We haven't. We're talking about bringing one back in the near future, so hopefully that'll happen. Yes, yeah. for sure. We, as always, we want to say thank you so much for listening. Our one request, if you like this episode, if you got to this point, if you're here right now listening to my voice, do us the world's biggest favor. Please, 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 if you're on iTunes or Apple or any of that, please give us a rating and review. It helps tremendously in getting this to new people. It grows our platform and helps us spread Spawn even more. If you're on Spotify... Give us a little share. You know, just share through your Instagram story. And it, it would mean the absolute word to the, the world to us. I'll say right now, if you give us a share, screenshot it, tag us in on Twitter, you can win some prizes even. Yeah. We've got some stuff laying around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've uh, I've written some comics. I've written a novel. I could I could see myself uh, sending something like that. Colby is an amazing musician. We got we got stuff to send out. So we do. We have. But always, we got some no spawn what. stuff. I'll say this right now. I have a lot of issues to spawn and some duplicates. If you want some cool spawn stuff, we may do some care packages and some giveaways on that. He would absolutely do that too. He's amazing like that. Um, but no matter what, just. Seriously, genuinely, thank you all so much for listening, for putting up with us, for making this fun. We probably wouldn't do this. I mean, we'd, we'd figure out some way to do it, but we do it because you guys enjoy it. Uh, so thank you all so much for listening. Um, again, we keep saying it. Someday there's going to be a Patreon with lots of excellent, cool stuff um, once we can get our schedules worked out. The pandemic didn't help that, it to be did. totally honest. Ooh, last thing I will, uh, before we get off, I do want to mention, right now, since uh, you listen to this, you're probably into McFarlane stuff big. Uh, a lot of the McFarlane first gold line figures came out, the gold label figures. You got his new take on Batman and Mandarin Spawn. They're in Walmart right now, and those are fucking killer awesome figures. They're beautiful. They are super beautiful. Yeah. I was astonished, honestly. I'm not, I'm not really a figure guy, but holy shit, they are amazing. They are. McFarlane saving the best figure designs for himself, and again, DC, much like with Jardway statues. It's so interesting to me to see versions of Batman that only exist in toy form or statue form. So if you want a really cool dark take on Spawn, on, on a Spawn-influenced Batman, uh, this is probably as close as you're going to get. For sure. Uh, so again, thank you all so much for listening. You're amazing. This has been a super great show. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next month when we do Spawn number 14, 81 through 86. So long and good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.